Today on the Homeboys Podcast, we will be talking and debunking about several real estate myths. We're going to talk about over-leveraging. We're going to talk about when you need to buy your next home, what you should do with your current home. And last, we're going to talk about how to save money and where not to save money. Stay tuned. You're kicking it with the Homeboys. on the Homeboys Podcast. We've got a really exciting topic today. We are talking and debunking several real estate myths. My name is Clint Weatherill, and as always, I'm here with my buddy, Scott Adams. Yeah, we're going to talk about this uh, latest craze of financing for as much and as long as you can. We're going to talk about what you should do with your current home if you're moving on to your next home. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, where you can save using discounted services, and where not to try to save using services. So how are you, my friend? Good. Yeah. Good. I'm a little on edge because we've got three- and five-year-old girls in the conference room, a couple do- rooms down. Mm-hmm. My wife had to drop the kids off for a little while, and uh, we could be doing several takes of this podcast because right. it's, a, it's a scene, man. Yeah, there's the very likelihood you'll hear a large crash from off-camera here. Which uh, means that they have uh, broken something that's glass or, or something. There's, there's almost a 100% chance that we're going to have to be ordering a new conference table <laughs> very soon. You know, I mean, Did you give them markers? There's ink pens. I mean, might as well oh, be. Okay. I mean, there's, awesome. Th- that's the last right. day of having a nice conference table. Yep. Good. We've had a great yeah. run with it. You know, but we it, might as well just handed over. them $6,000 and said, <laughs> light it right. on fire. We, we, uh, we just lost six grand. But... Uh, but nonetheless, but otherwise, I'm good, and I hope you are. Yeah, this is a neat topic. I'm excited about this one because uh, it's uh, it's something that fires you and I up all the time. These some of these myths. Man, I'm just an old, angry, yeah. overweight man, and just love to tear people's bad ideas apart. Well, I just can't get over how common this first myth has become. It's it's almost it feels like it's becoming accepted real estate perspective. It's like, I don't understand. It's literally all over social media and everyone thinks that it's the way to, to do real estate, that this is how I become financially, you know, independent. And it, I have to tell myself to stay back on this topic a little bit because I get pretty amped up and you know me, I run a little hot under the collar anyway, but this topic is just to clarify is people who are preaching to leverage as much as you can, as quick as you can, borrow as much as you can to buy as many houses as you can. I was just trying to leave people on the edge of their seat by, like, holding back what yeah. it actually is. I can't. I get and, so and, and then, mad. And then tell them that we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> athlete's foot. Yeah. You know? Flowers <laughs> in your front yard. Right. Flowers are not. That's the biggest myth. Should you plant flowers in your rentals or not? <laughs> right. but, uh, but, no, segueing into it, I mean, it's it's – Gosh, it's so it's so easy to get fired up on this, but let's. I want you to to kind of carry this, but you know, refi till you die, you know, and everyone everyone wants it. Like if you've got equity in your home, you are stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, and we and we did a we did a more on real estate um, 
you know, where we were critiqued a clip with a lady, you know, saying, uh, you're you, stupid. You look so dumb, you know, yeah. right now. If you and, have equity in any of your properties, right. if you don't suck that equity out and use it to buy more, it's unbelievable how easy and, and simple it sounds with these folks too. They make it sound so normal. It is not normal. You are living on a knife's edge. Somehow it's become popular to buy as much as many rentals as you can and use as much bank financing as you can. And in a way, that might be okay. I say might. Might be okay if the market is a straight line that just happens to go up at all times. But any blip in that market and say you lose your job, suddenly you're upside down in these properties and you don't have a job and then tenant moves out, and it can market snowball. goes the stock market goes down thirty percent. Right. Uh, I mean, there's so many things. It's a knife's edge. It's a knife's edge. You can't write out any adversity. So why is it so popular? Like, well, is is it just because we've been on this elevator ride that people forget what it's like to not just completely have a market that goes up, 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 up? Or is it just sexy? I don't know. Is it because they've got they've got money in their pocket and they can go buy you know other things with it? I mean, what what is it? I don't know. It's probably a factor of all of those. But the problem is, is it's it it's unhealthy. It doesn't work. It's it's impatient. It's you're you're trying to get from A to Z as quick as possible using as much leverage as possible, and you're you know cashing it out and living big and. It's just crazy because it doesn't work. It's it doesn't work. Let's try to do like a real life example. Okay. I'm just gonna make the numbers real basic. And you know me, I'm not a numbers guy, I'm a gut right. feel guy. So if I say anything wrong, you can, you know, kick me in the in the rear end and pull me back to reality. But let's say you have ten homes. Right. And let's say that they are all worth one hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And let's say that you've got notes on all of them for refining till you die. You know, for ninety-five thousand, you know, on all of them, right? All right, and you've uh, you've used all of that cash. Say that you were able to pull out twenty thousand dollars of cash on each of them, and you've got two hundred grand that you've then dumped into, uh, say, let's just say the S and P five hundred. Okay, right. um, we saw it during the pandemic. The you know the stock market went backwards. You know, twenty-five percent. We've seen it in our lifetime where the stock market went down sixty-five percent during the Great Recession. So let's say then there's a 25% pullback in the stock market, let's just say in the real estate market. So then the 10 houses that you have are now worth seventy worth 75,000 and you owe 95,000 on them. Mm -hmm. And then the 200,000, you know, that you that that you put, you know, into the market is now worth, you know, 100 and you know 50,000. Right? So now you're upside down, you know, call it after you pay your um, real estate commission, say if you had to liquidate your portfolio. Right. You're upside down $200,000. It'd be more. I mean, it'd be right. about oh, two commissions, you know, and, commissions everything. and everything right. on it. So then you're upside down. Your closing costs, everything close to 300 grand. Right. Which isn't and, a big problem. You're upside down. That's not a good place to be. But if, if you could ride that out, that'd be great. However, if you're the kind of person that's cashing those babies out, you don't have reserves built in. You, you, otherwise, you wouldn't be doing those things. Mm -hmm. 
And what happens if you lose your job on top of that for just a three-month period while you go find another because the economy's down and things are shifting? These are all realistic things. Not to mention that during a, a cycle like like I'm talking about, a lot of times tenants stop paying rent during those cycles. Right. Then you have turnover. Then you have to refix the place back up. I mean, it's a it's a it's a cycle that you know we're saying you're upside down 300 without factoring in these other things that could right. come in. I mean, you could easily it could that 300 grand could easily be 500 grand. Right. You know, if you don't have those reserves, but you know what would safeguard you against that? If you had equity in the property. Right. You know, if you did it conservatively. It drives me freaking crazy that this is the way this is the way of thinking. You know, we've we've been on an elevator ride, you know, for twelve years, you know, in this in the stock market, real estate market, everything. Do people really think that it's just gonna continue like this forever? It's not. Yeah, that was, a lot of people haven't experienced what we're talking about with this snowball effect, the spiral of death that can happen with real when you own real estate and it's over leveraged, they don't think those things through. They think, well, I could always get through that. I've gotten this far, you know, I've got all this equity, um, and I've pulled, I've got 200 grand sitting in the market. It's I'll be fine. It's easy to, to sit there and think, okay, I'll just refi because I can get from A to Z faster and I could survive some little blips. They don't think through that process of the domino effect that happens when there's a downturn in the market. The downturn in the market usually coincides with job losses, downturn in the real estate market, downturn in the stock market. They're all together. And if you have tenants that stop paying, before you know it, not only does your cash flow not pay your mortgages, but you can't handle the deferred maintenance. And if you're not doing the deferred maintenance of the properties, more tenants are going to stop paying. And when more t tenants stop paying, you really can't do any deferred maintenance. You have no equity. You can't sell the properties because you're upside down. And before you know it, we're back to the two. You're in the situation that people happened in 2008 where they owned 10 rentals and they all had to be foreclosed on. It's easier to happen to you than you think. Do not ride the knife's edge. The counter argument to this is if you do it the conservative old-fashioned way. Maybe it's boring. Maybe you, maybe that's why this is a little boring. But you can buy real estate conservatively and build a portfolio. And before you know it, you are wealthy. And you have enough reserves to survive the downtimes. But it's just not sexy to talk about. There's a lot of people that's going to hear what you just said and say, man, you are an absolute idiot. Yep. I mean, think of all the TikToks and Facebook and all the stuff, you know, YouTubes that, you know, that we have seen, you know, that, that everyone, I mean, it's a, it's a movement that is just so scary. And the, and the, 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 the funny thing is, I guess it's not funny, but I mean, the beneficial thing is, is that this mindset that all of uh, these people have in real estate investing actually will make you and I a mountain of money one day. A mountain. You know, so... I mean, I guess keep doing what you're doing um, because at some point in time when, when, when the bubble bursts, Scotty and I will be ready, sitting on the sidelines with bags full of cash to buy your foreclosed properties. Right. So, um, But we are trying to help people to, for that not to happen. This is our plug to you know, the, the investment world that bad things can happen in real estate, and we have watched them happen. So please, don't please, be, don't, don't listen. Don't, Crazy! 
Don't do that. Don't do it. I know it sounds good. Don't do it. Our pet's heads are falling <laughs> off. The world is on fire. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much for a market to cool down and for people to come in a bad, to suddenly be in a bad situation. You know, don't put yourself there. You, I, you can get there and you can build generational wealth, not these boring riches. Yeah, get rich and you can make this much on per property. I'm talking generational wealth if you invest conservatively and slowly in good cash flowing assets. So you don't have to do it. That's the other, that's the part that bothers me the most. I could understand if someone said, well, I want to get in real estate and I don't have any money. So I got to leverage, you know, I'm, this is my shot at making it. I would say, I understand that, but you can still do it our way. You can still do it the conservative way. Don't be seduced by this bull crap that's being pushed out there. All right. Enough of the chicken little segment yeah. of, uh, of our program, but it is a very important <laughs> part of, of what we need to talk about today. So let's, let's move on to kind of our second myth, which is the, uh, the, the idea that you have to sell before you buy. Yeah. So if you're going to move, um, you know, you and your wife are ready for, uh, or a, a couple or an individual is ready to uh, sell the house and move up to the next next house, you know, the next level house, or if you're being transferred at work and you are moving from one city to another, we will, we would argue that in most cases, probably 90% of the cases, you shouldn't sell that house. You should keep it as a rental and buy in the new market. You're already invested in that property. You already own it, which is the hardest part of getting real estate is getting good quality homes that you know work. Now, there's a threshold here. It, it, you know, if it's a, a mansion, you know, on a lake, you'll never get enough rents to, to make that work. So that in those cases, that doesn't apply. But very, from, very good point. For most traditional, normal homes, this applies. And the returns might not be the best returns. You could probably go out and find rentals that have a little better returns. However, you already own it. You've already you already know the house. Find a property manager who will manage that property. When you get the next mortgage on your house, talk to a mortgage broker. They can almost always use the income from that property to offset that mortgage you have, and you will qualify for just as much of a mortgage as if you had sold it. So there, there's no excuse to sell it just because, well, I have to sell it so I can buy this next house. Mm -hmm. Now, in some cases, people might need the equity out of it to put a down payment on the next house, and that's situational. I understand. But if there's a way that you can do both, do it. I love this point because we have this show. Um, we have several shows. We do speaking engagements and we're always talking about our experience in real estate. Most of the time we're talking about experience in real estate. It's stuff that we've done well. I have screwed this up mm -hmm. monumentally throughout my real estate career. So I'm here to tell you about something that I have really done poorly. And today I've realized it um, I've always kind of knew it, but the more that, you know, I've thought about this, cause you know, we kind of, you know, said the, the topics we were going to talk about today, the three different myths, you know, I'm in my 13th home since 01. So I started reflecting, started going down, you memory, started doing the math, I started going down memory lane and thinking of, of the previous 12 homes that, that I've owned. And Hey, I can go back to just two years ago, you know, selling the, the, the home that I was in and, you know, I mean, it's about it's about two hundred thousand dollar difference in whenever I sold it two years ago, where it is now, which is 
absolutely bananas. Yeah, there's literally millions of dollars you left in the dust. Correct. By you know, there's selling. A, uh, my house downtown. Um, you know, it's it's three hundred grand. You know, more than whenever I sold it in sixteen, twenty sixteen. Right. You know, the home before that. You know, I lived in uh, lived up in up in Carmel. I mean, it's it's at least a hundred and. You're only 000. touching on one part of this, you though. Know. You're only touching on the equi- the equity you would have had from appreciation. Correct. You're not talking about the tenant paying down your mortgage too. The tax benefit. I mean, there's tax there's, there's, there's there's lots of it. You know, I've I've just I've I've done a very good job at buying right. You know, I've always you know my, the house I bought downtown was crazy what I bought it for, but as far as like holding on to it. Man, I've screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Like I have. So, like, you know, talking on this topic, I could sit there and tell our listeners about something that I've done really, really, really poorly on. And, you know, the fact that I've been in 13, you know, homes, you know, since 01, I kind of always looked at it like, you know, I was I'm a I'm a real estate professional. My house is kind of always for sale. If I get it if I can get this much out of it, I'll right. I'll sell it. If not, I won't. There's several homes I, I I held on to because I didn't get what I wanted, you know, out of it. But man. You go back on some of these and think, geez, right. how different, you know, how much money a person our, would have made. If our listeners know. could do that exercise mentally that you did, they'll they'll understand this mm-hmm. if they've moved a lot. And and here's a, a little anecdote. So when I moved into my latest house about three years ago, I went to the HOA and I said, is there a rental restriction in there? And they kept apologizing. I'm so sorry there's not, you know, I, but don't worry. There's not too many tenants in here. And I said, are you guys out of your mind? You're apologizing for they're not. I don't want there to be. If I move, I don't want to Heck sell no. the house. I'm. This Correct. will be a rental. Why are you apologizing? I wouldn't have bought the home if there was a rental restriction. People who buy in these neighborhoods where there's rental restrictions are hurting themselves. They're hurting themselves. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, we just came out of being Chicken Little on our previous myth. And, you know, let's talk about being Chicken Little again. I mean... You have that rental restriction in your neighborhood and say you're in a bad real estate market, there's only one option for people that have to get out of their house. That's dump your price. Correct. Because you know, if you can't rent it out, then say this person the person in there that they, they get transferred to a job in California and they they have no choice but to move. You know, if they can't rent their house out in this bad real estate market, they have to dump their price to be able to get out of it, which brings the whole stinking neighborhood down. It's, right. it's a phenomenon that I just don't understand. Yeah, like, and uh, you know, it's you're instead of selling that house at the bottom of the market, um, they could have just stuck a tenant in there and had had that tenant pay down their mortgage, and they would have been fine. They could move, retain that asset, but instead, they just had to sell at the absolute worst time possible because the neighborhood restricted right. what they're allowed to do with Especially their Especially in a neighborhood like you're living in. I mean, I know. Like your tenant would be a, you know, <laughs> orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> right. You know, or something right. like, you know, lawyer. Right. You know, would be, you That's know, the part be, I didn't understand you know. either. I, I, I said, you know, tenants at this level aren't something to be scared of. These are people who are on, like, contract with Eli Lilly for a two-year period that they fly in a surgeon that's doing a medical research. Our neighborhood level is – why would you fear that kind of a tenant? It's silly. It's silly. Yeah, so don't sell your house. That's an easy one. I know it seems weird, but it's it's a great way to build a portfolio – a real estate portfolio accidentally or just without doing much effort. Hey, always be a student – of real estate. You don't know everything. Right. And, you know, 
that rings true for me in this, like, man, it's been cool to reflect on this and, you know, think about, you know, regrettably for me is I probably ain't moving again. You know, it's probably, it's probably it for me. Well, here's a pro tip too with this pro tip is when you move, hire the best property manager you can and, and let them do their jobs. They're really good at it. As long as you get a property manager that's been in business for a long time and has a reputation of being good, there's plenty in any market let them do their job and manage it for you while you're away. Which also brings us to point three. Brings us right into point three. And um, point three is saving money on services within real estate. You know, and I, it's it's something that, uh, gosh, my dad used to say this all the time, you know, talking about going down memory lane, you know, son, sometimes the cheapest is the most expensive. God, it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. You know what I find interesting about you and I is it's a little different for us, but we've never tried to save on property management fees anywhere. Even the things we own locally, we let the property, we own the company. So maybe it's a little different. We let the property management company manage them and charge what is needed for the overhead. Mm -hmm. We literally pay for property management, even though we own the company. And it's our business, correct. And I don't know anything about any of my properties at any time. I don't know anything, either do you, because we hired the experts. We happen to have the best property management team in the city by far. And oh, so, they come to me and every now and then they'll ask me someone, what the heck are you asking me for? I don't know. You're, you're like, the, well, it's your property. I'm like, well, I don't know anything about it. Right. You're what the you pro. What do you know. So that's, a, that's really important. You hire the best people and you're willing to pay for them. If you're trying to save 1%, the difference between – a really good property manager and a bad property manager is usually about 1% that you can save. And boy, is that 1% going to cost you. I don't know. We've seen, we've seen some extreme uh, cases within this office here. I think it'll be relevant to, to our viewers. Um, With savings mm-hmm. that are offered? Oh, yeah, I'm curious about this. We had an agent three years ago that you know, claimed to be, you know, represent investors and took me to breakfast one day and said, you know, I want to, I'm going to give, I want to give you all all of uh, my investors for property management. I don't want to be a property manager and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Hey, you know, they're good properties and good neighborhoods. We'd love to have them. And so he sent us a few people and then like three, four, five months later, our office started getting calls and we had several people leave our management company to go to this guy's new property management company. So, you know, come to find out, you know, make a long story short, he was charging like literally half price of what our, our, our services were and and enticed a lot of people. And so anyhow, the way it ended was he ran off with all of their damage deposits and a month's worth of rent and, you know, there's still, I think, pending court cases against him, you know, through all of this. Um, and literally every single property, and it wasn't a ton, you know, 15 homes, you know, out of our mm-hmm. you know, 900 or 1,000 that, you know, that left, they all came back. Um, and when they came back, we found um, this guy's lease. He had taken our lease and wrote his company name at the top, ripped it off word for word, and like we have a, a little white out. You know, and we just have a ten page with his and name. Five addendums as part of 
of, of our lease and word for word, you know, ripped it off. So, you know, these people are very upset still to this day. I mean, you know, with, with one particular um, client that ended up coming to us, he wasn't a previous client, bef- you know, before, um, you know, had 52 homes, you know, and lost like over $70,000 to it. But, yeah. you know, you look back on it, and I do feel sorry for these people, but at the end of the day, they left a company that their owners have a combined 40 years of experience in this business to go to someone that has 10 minutes of property <laughs> management experience. So, I mean, you made your bed, you, you know, you kind of lay in it. I mean, it was a stupid yeah. decision. But, again, you know, this guy charging half of what of what normal property managers charge the biggest takeaway is he's not making any money. Yeah. You know, how long are you going to be in business if you're not making any money? Right. The margins are so, so thin, you know, with property management that, you know, there's a huge red flag. If there's someone out there that's charging way less, yeah. it's because they have no freaking clue what they're doing. You yeah, know? it reminds me of a famous quote you and I uh, really like from, from uh, the movie Rocky. And uh, it's if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. And if a property manager, such a great line. it's such a great line. God. But if a pro- property manager knows what they're worth, they're not going to negotiate. They're going to get what they're worth because there's not a big margin in it. If you bring us five properties, you know how much of that makes it into Clint's in my pocket by the end of the day? Almost nothing. If, I mean, a dollar, you know, I mean, it's it. The margins are just so thin. It's a. It, this is about service. This is about you know helping our clients grow. It's and if you're just trying to discount that to get the cheapest you can, you're not going to work with any of the best people out there. You're just not. They won't do it. There's not enough profit in it already. You know what you're worth. Go out and get your worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits yep. and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. That ain't you. Yeah, <laughs> quitters do that, and that ain't you. Oh, I love You're better it. than that. I love uh, it. If it's not killer. trademarked, we should just <laughs> oh, it's flash awesome. it on the screen we've, right we've, now. We've got uh, in our office. We've got the Rocky, you know, silhouette with that uh, speech, you know, written within it. It's it's killer. If you guys haven't seen it, it's not the greatest Rocky movie out there, but it's in a movie called Rocky Balboa. It's killer. It's, the the uh, scene is really holds dear to our service ethos here at the company, which is you work hard, you look people in the eye, you tell them what you're going to do and you do it and you don't complain. Right. And I'm proud that when I sit down with clients and they say, well, I've got four properties, what kind of a you know discount can I get? You know, None. Oh, you don't want my business. No, I want your business like you wouldn't believe. I want to help you grow. I want that four properties to be 20. I want to do everything I can to help you grow, but no, I can't discount it in order to do that. If you want my services to help you and these great people we have, I'm sorry, but it's just you got to pay fair market value for it. It is. You know, and, and so just beware if people are discounting. it's not just property management. No. I mean, attorneys. It goes, it, it goes for everything. Attorneys. attorneys we one. use the best attorneys that we can get our hands on. Our accountant, he is literally everywhere we go, everyone knows. That's so weird firm. to me. Like when we tell, we tell everybody who our accountant is like, oh, really? Yeah. Like we meet with these banks, so we do a lot of banking with our development stuff, and and you know we're working twenty million dollar deals and all of this, and and you know eventually the bankers always ask the same question: Well, what accounting firm are we going to be working with with you guys? And we tell them, and they're like, Oh, 
I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I mean, he's just a buddy at this point, right. you know, like, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, he kind of came and went out of our office there for a while. Right. Like, we just, we got to know each other, you know, personally and just buddies, but, but, but we use the best. Right. You got, you, you, you have to have a, a team of, of experienced people and, you know, go back to the old cliche, you know, if uh, sometimes the cheapest ends up being the most expensive, you know, it's, I could tell so story true. after story with this, with attorneys that we've used and, you know, we've, we've tried to go cheap with attorneys before and got, it, it does not work out. And there's a, just in general, in real estate services, you get what you pay for. Don't be, don't be scared because if they're really good at what they do, they're going to protect you and you're going to find more success and more than make up for those fees. And I'm not just saying this for us, anyone you work with in any market, we believe in paying for the best services because it's that important. So it's our show, man. Yeah. You good? I'm good. I'm good. These are good myths. So, you know, the, the over refi, you know, the over leveraging one is just a myth. That's, it blows my mind. I can't believe it's out there. Please don't buy into it. When you sell your house, don't do like we do. Do what we say, not what we did, because we both regret not holding on to every house we ever owned. There's literally millions of dollars between us, millions and millions of dollars we left in the dust by not following our own advice. And then, of course, use the best people. That's right. I'm glad we started with the first one because I had some some time to kind of calm down. Mm -hmm. After when I get so angry talking about this over leveraging for good thing. reason, it's people are going to be so, hurt. This so advice, bananas. if you follow it, it will hurt you. It's going to hurt you. And the worst part is the people that we see giving this advice. Boy, do they look smart? They're really good at it. We just did a more on real estate just uh, you know prior to this podcast, where the guy was so captivating and well spoken. You know, talking about it. That's why you know it 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 hurts my soul because it's such dangerous advice. You know, it's, uh, but, but anyhow, those are our common real estate myths. Of course, there are many other common real estate myths out there. You have to be careful. Always do your homework. Real estate is a fun business. It's been very good to us. It can happen to you too. Please stay tuned to more um, podcasts in the future. And I just really blew that off. God, so you were so a, bad at gotta, this. I've got to really redo, re redo this. I did perfect for a half an hour straight, and then you like it was going blow it all. And, and then like, you, know, you screw, screw it up for all of us. So that's our show. Till next time, happy investing. Boom. That was it.